follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. This passage has always bugged me. I think it's that word immediately. Some dude comes up and says, follow me, tells you he'll change your job into something abstract like fishing for people and you drop your net. Really? You leave everything, your job, your family, your home. It does not feel realistic. And there's no record of Jesus marketing, his pitching methods and persuading before this moment. (laughs) And all the Gospels recount a version of this. John's Gospel does have uh, Andrew, one of the brothers, seeing Jesus, going to listen to Jesus, and then going to tell his brother, come follow. But pretty much it's follow me and immediately they drop their nets. And it's not like I don't get the big picture. I'm all in with Jesus being the light. My own spiritual journey maps onto the verses we just heard quoted from Isaiah. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Yes. For those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Yes, a great light coming into the deepest darkness of my soul, the deepest darkness of all our souls. I get that. And it's a truth for so many of us coming here, starting to follow Jesus, starting to explore our faith, maybe becoming disciples, or maybe deepening our discipleship after years of sitting in darkness. Now that big, big, big picture is net-worthy, drop, net-dropping worthy. But it's this immediately thing. I hear the word, and I don't know about you, but it can trigger this inward pressure and feeling like, I immediately follow Jesus, immediately know the right thing to do, immediately figure out where do I go, what do I do? And I twist the whole narrative in my head into being one of a stern command, Jesus saying, follow me, pressuring me, and it sets off a litany, I'm not good enough, I'm not like those disciples, I don't know the right thing to do. And I don't always drop my modern-day nets. And if I'm really honest, I sometimes wonder if I might have been a person not mentioned in the Gospels. I wonder if I might have been the one standing there seeing the brothers drop their nets and yelling at them to get back to work. (laughs) Where are you going? You can't leave those nets there. You can't leave us. It can feel like an impossibly high bar all or nothing. And then sadly, the temptation is to just tune out the story. But at its core, if you really look at it, Jesus isn't commanding, follow me. He's inviting. It's an invitation. The invitation is to turn ourselves around from our focus inwards, from our focus on our worldly, mundane lives, to a bigger picture of hope, of healing, and of love that is Christ. 
Yet when we hear the, the, it as a command, we turn in wise words and we attach to those negative litanies. Our human eyes get stuck on seeing the world in human terms, bounded by human brokenness and the brokenness around us, bonded to fear. And we miss seeing the possibility of the light transforming us. We miss what Jesus is proclaiming. The kingdom is near. The divine is entering our world, healing us in the here and now, and healing the world. So perhaps another way to see this story is to think of Jesus' invitation in smaller bits, more particular ways. So has there been a moment in your life, perhaps a period of time, when you felt touched by God, even if it were fleeting and a flash, or perhaps a gradual revelation? A time and a touch that inspired you to act, to change. And it doesn't have to be huge. A while ago in another parish, a group of us were talking about what brought us to church. And one woman said she'd been walking down the street in the deep throes of depression. And passing by the church, she looked up and saw relief carvings of two angels above the main entry doors, one above each door. And suddenly she felt, I have to go in there. Now, she'd never been in an Episcopal church before, in her terms, Episco what? <laughs> she'd barely ever gone to church as a kid. But seeing those angels touched her, broke through the darkness of her depression so deeply she knew, I have to go in. And that was the start of her spiritual journey. Now, those of us who had been in the parish for years and some who'd been there 20 and 30 years, we're a bit confused. There are angels above our door? <laughs> we had never seen them. Yet that's how Jesus called her and invited her. Follow me. Immediately, she did. So Jesus' invitations to us come in many forms. And it may be like this through architecture or through art or through music secular or sacred. Jesus calls us with words, and Jesus also calls us in languages beyond words. Sometimes Jesus' invitation comes through people we know, something they've done, something about them that shines such a big light in our own darkness that it inspires a change of heart and a change of behavior. Or maybe Jesus' call comes through worldly events. And wow, did we see that yesterday. The enormous marches all over the globe. Some estimates this morning are that 205 million people worldwide dropped what they normally would do on a Saturday and joined a march. People feeling called to a vision of a world free of threats to human dignity, threats to justice and freedom for all, took to the streets on every continent. Europe, in France, it wasn't just in Paris, it was in Toulouse and Lyon and beyond, 
Germany, not just Berlin, Munich, Frankfurt, more. Some of you may have seen the pictures of the researchers in Antarctica, people in the Arctic standing with their little signs. A friend of mine posted a picture on Facebook of her family walking in Dar es Salaam, Salaam. And I'm embarrassed to say I had to go Google where that is. It's Tanzania. All the major cities in the U.S., and even little ones. My sister in Northern California got stuck in traffic by a march in Walnut Creek, a conservative town on the edge of the Bay Area up there, 20 minutes from the big Oakland march, 40 minutes from San Francisco's, but there they were spilling into the streets of Walnut Creek. And a good number of us from St. A's, a big number of us from St. A's, and all around the diocese, and from so many denominations, joined the crowd in L.A. 500,000 is now the conservative estimate. Some say up to 750,000. The low estimate means that in L.A., as many people were marching here as in D.C., and in the high estimates, to be a proud Los Angelino, 120,000 more than D.C. <laughs> Reports this morning are starting to suggest that in the U.S., one in 100 Americans took to the streets yesterday. One in 100. There were so many people downtown that our best laid plans for our team to meet up with the diocese uh, on the corner of Pershing Square turned out to be absurd. We were sprinkled all over the place, texting each other, trying to find each other, and realizing we needed to give up. The streets were full. They were sending us marching down parallel streets from the main uh, walkway because the walkway was filled before anyone mar started marching. It was absolutely stunning. And one of the most moving things for me and for many of us who were in that crowd, and especially those of us like me who hate crowds, is that there was this incredible feeling of peace. People were smiling. People were feeling this solidarity and unity with one another, talking with one another, so into the darkness of fear and hurt and anger that has pervaded our nation since the election came an invitation to a bigger vision of the world. These were marches for human dignity and justice. We came together fueled by passion, by righteous passion, by righteous anger at the abusive rhetoric that has touched off more hate crimes in our nation since the election than there's been in decades, righteous anger at the imminent prospect of laws being passed that immediately harm millions and millions of Americans, but there was no violence. That rage was not at all palpable. It had beautifully transformed into an expression of oneness, an expression of God's light. The dignity proclaimed by Christ was on parade yesterday. The justice for all proclaimed by Christ was on parade yesterday. So many people immediately dropping their Saturday nets, turning away from business as usual, 
turning away from self to a vision of greater good. It felt empowering and life-giving. We can make a difference. When we harness and follow Jesus and attach ourselves to that light in whatever way we can, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, the light of Christ does shine in the darkness through us and can pull us together. Now, Jesus' invitation to follow me can mean different things for different people. While our diocese and dioceses all across the U.S. and even uh, in the Anglican Communion marched, Episcopalians everywhere, at the same time, an Episcopal church hosted a prayer service for the new president. We are all called to serve in different ways. Our National Cathedral's choir sang at the inauguration. People marching on, on uh, people singing on, on Friday, people marching on Saturday, all towards a vision. Now, it's not easy to tell Jesus' call from the many pressures and noise of our daily life. And I dare say yesterday, many of the people here in L.A. that came out took a look outside and said, wow, it's not raining. Maybe I really will go. <laughs> How do we hear God when there's so much noise in our heads and in our lives? A wise spiritual director once told me when I was all twisted up about a life decision, and I couldn't tell the difference between a pile of instincts and pressures. What, what's God's voice? What's my voice? They all sounded the same. And she said, Jesus' call is the one that has no urgency. It's the one that quietly persists underneath the noise. Now, sometimes that can be immediately clear, like it was for so many yesterday. But sometimes it takes a while to emerge. Days, weeks, months, years. That call may be the thing inside we've always felt is right and good, but that call can also be the thing inside that scares the bleep out of us, the thing we don't want to do. It could be as radical as dropping our nets and dropping everything we're used to in life to follow something different, or it could be as simple as, I'm going to walk. Jesus' invitation is this move away from self and inward focus towards God, towards love, towards healing, and new life. It's a new life for our individual selves, and in that new life, our light shines and becomes new life for our communities and our nation and the world. So follow me, says Jesus, big ways, small ways. And our invitation is to respond immediately. And maybe that's not as hard or impossible as we may think. Amen.